I'm sure you are. I've enjoyed the opportunity to share with you these past few days, and, and I would hope something that I have said along the way would be a blessing to someone. We're going to go right to God's Word on this morning. If you have a Bible, I'm looking at the 18th chapter of Jeremiah. 18th chapter of Jeremiah, beginning at verse number 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. Can you say marred? All right, you can do better than that. I, man, I've been trying to slowly bring you into my way of worship. They tell me that you're open to different worship styles. In my church, that's the way we do it. Can you say marred again? Marred. All right. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. I'd like for you to repeat these four words after me. Can you say, stay in his hands? Stay in his hands is... We will talk for a few moments from that topic. I'd like to sort of take you on a trip this morning to the potter's house. And I'm not talking about that great worship uh, center that T.D. Jakes has built in, in Dallas, but I'm talking about a place where you and I must visit in order to be formed and shaped into the person that God wants us to be. This reminds me so much of the mission of the church. The church is to be a hospital, not a hotel. We got a lot of folks, they come to the church and they want to be entertained. But the church ought to be a place where the hurting, the sick, and the disenfranchised, those who are lost, can come and find help. And they can find healing. Those who have been with me know that I've talked about, I, my church sets close in the area where there's about four public housing complexes within, oh, a two- or three-mile radius. We have a lot of hurting people. We have a lot of people who are socioeconomically depraved and disadvantaged. We have a lot of crime. We have a, uh, we have a lot of drugs. We have prostitution. You name it, we've got a gang warfare. We've got all of that in our neighborhood. And so on any given Sunday, I can get folk that walk in who come from any one of these backgrounds, and guess what they need? They're not coming there to be entertained. They're coming there be, to be delivered. They're coming there because they need to hear a message that tells them that life can be better than the life that they are living and that God has something great in store for them. And it's interesting that God uses the potter's house as a wonderful object lesson to teach the rebellious nation of Judah 
that he is in control. We should remember that as well. Who's in control of our life? Because sometimes we forget and we want to get back on the throne of our lives. And I heard many years ago, and it's always stayed with me, that Jesus wants to be the Lord of all or Lord not at all. That he's not going to take second place. And so I would say to you this morning, if I leave you with anything, I want you to remember to stay in his hands. God instructed Jeremiah to go down to the pottery at the Valley of Hinnom, just south of Jerusalem. And it was there that God would give him a powerful message for the people of Judah, which was led by the godless king Jehoiakim, this king who was a puppet king of, of, of Pharaoh. And he was a constant thorn in the side of Jeremiah. The great revival that had taken place under the godly king Josiah some 20 to 30 years earlier was now over. And the people were now beginning to turn back to their old ways. And so we learn a wonderful lesson from this passage. We think about, there are three things that I want to talk about very quickly. The awesome power of the potter. The messy personality of the clay. And then the great possibilities of the product. You see, the, power, the, the potter is awesome. That potter is none other than God. For like a giant potter, God took clay and he formed man from the very dirt of the ground. The Bible says in Genesis 2-7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And as we enter to the potter's house, we notice that the potter has a wheel. It's an old-fashioned wheel. I've seen one of those wheels when I worked in a college of art and, and we would uh, teach pottery in that college of art where I worked at. And I saw that old-fashioned wheel where you could push with your foot and the wheel would go round and round while the potter would shape the clay that was on the wheel. He worked that pedal with his foot to make the wheel turn. And as he pedals and as the wheel turns, he artistically or she artistically works with that piece of clay, attempting to form that piece of clay into a work of art. This demonstrates how God works on us. He works on all of creation. He constantly keeps the pedal going as he works on us, shaping us and molding us into what he wants us to be. Keep in mind that even though you don't know what God is doing, God knows because he has a design in mind for you and I. You must understand that the potter is in absolute control of this process. Can you say sovereign? Say it again, sovereign. sovereign. Amen. He's sovereign. Everything is under God's control. Even when my life seems a mess, even when I don't understand what's going on, even when I cannot explain and I don't see what tomorrow has in store for me and I don't even know how I'm going to make it through the day, but God is sovereign, my life is in his hands, I am under his control, and he is making me and shaping me and molding me into what he would have me to be. The clay cannot speak back to the potter and say, hey, I don't like the way you, you're shaping me. I don't like what you're doing. Oh, you can talk to God, but God doesn't have to listen. 
God doesn't have to take you. You know, you get a little upset sometimes. You know, I got a little bold one day, and I, 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 I spoke back to mom. You know, all my years we were taught. You, you just don't talk back to your parents. You know, some of you all may be a little different. It's a new age. The time I grew up in, if you would, you know, say too much back to your parents, you, know, you might look for your teeth. And so you can talk to God and you can fuss at God. You can say, God, I don't like what you're doing. But who's in control? He's still in control. And the wonderful thing about it is I'm glad he's in control. I'm glad that God does not listen to my whimpers and my crying sometimes because God knows that there are some things that I've got to go through to become the person he wants me to be. And you know, hindsight is so wonderful. Now, years later, when I look back on my life, 20, 30 years ago, and I see what God was doing at the time, but at the time I was going through it, it was not pleasant. Some of you have lived long enough now to know. And you've seen maybe a year or two back in your life something that was happening, and now you look back at it and it seems so much more clear now that you've gotten past it. You see how God was working in your life, and he was working his favor on your behalf, but at the time, you could not understand it. Oh, I can remember some years ago when I was a young fella, and I wanted to date this certain girl, and I was living with my grandmother at the time, and I brought her home to grandmother, and I, you know, I introduced this girl. My grandmother talked to her a few minutes, and my grandmother, you know, she was an old-time lady. She uh, was a good Baptist woman, uh, and she dipped snuff. You know, a lot of the folk dip snuff. Anybody know a snuff dipper? I don't know. You know folk dip snuff, and they talk like that, and they had that funny little lisp, lisp to them. And I said, Grandma, and I introduced the girl to her, and when she left, my grandma said, she ain't for you, boy. <laughs> and I was upset with Grandma. I said, why do you want to say that? And she said, well, she's the woman. You're just a boy. And, boy, I was so upset. I was hurt. I said, what do you mean she's a woman and I'm a boy? She said, she does what women, women do. You still a boy. And I was just, you know, I, Mama, you, you just. And, you know, she, she had seen some things and. You know, um, a girl who had uh, begun to get sexually active, and she had a child at this time, and, and at that time I was not sexually active, and my grandma was just being very blunt. And she came out of a, you know, a time when, you, you, you know, there's just certain things you just didn't do. But you know what? I got mad at her. Oh, Grandma, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just old-fashioned. You, you know, it's different now. It's not like it used to be. She says, she's not the one for you. Guess what? She wasn't. A couple of years went by, and we ended up splitting up, and, and I saw the direction that she went in, and her life went in a very terrible direction. She was not the person who I thought that she was. And I looked back, and I had to say to my grandma, I had to eat crow. I said, Grandma, you know you were right. She says, I know I was, boy. <laughs> and I wonder how many times that we're going to have to go to God and say, God, you were right in what you said to me. You were right in what you were doing in my life. At the time, I did not want to receive it. At the time, I did not want to hear it. I thought I knew more than you. It's amazing. 
I think it was Bill Cosby that said, I thought it was so funny. He said, it's amazing that uh, how much I learned from the time that my child was 17 to the time they turned 30. You see, when you're 16, 17 years old, you think your parents don't know a whole lot. And then when you live a little bit longer and you get to be about 30 or 35, then you realize how much wisdom your parents really have. But you go through that period, oh, Dad, you don't know. I have three sons, 19, 20, one's 27. And my 27-year-old tells my younger ones now, he said, you really think Dad is slow, but Dad's not slow. He said, Dad knows everything going on in your life. He just doesn't let on to let you know that he knows, but Dad knows. And he said, the more you try to hide from Dad, the worse it gets. And Dad has a way of making you feel guilty when you're hiding stuff from him because he knows you're hiding it, but he just lets you play into his hands. And I told him, I said, you know all my secrets. You're telling them my, my secrets that I used on you. I said, I can't use it on them if you're going to give away all of my secrets on raising up sons. But you see, the clay somehow... We think we know what's best. The clay is formless. It's shapeless. It's lifeless. It's inept. It's incapable. And it's a muddy mess. You see, but God knows. He remembers, according to the 103rd Psalm, that we are but dust. Sometimes we forget it. And we get stuck on ourselves. But if we look at the clay on the wheel down at the potter's house, the clay has no wish, no rights. The clay can really, cannot make any demands. It's helpless and it's hopeless until the potter does his work. When we try to take control of our lives, we make a mess. We do the things that we are not supposed to do and then we wonder why we're damaged. Paul said, the very thing that I don't want to do, that's what I do. And the very thing that I want to do, then I end up not doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? And thus we find ourselves hurting, lost and empty. You know, some of the greatest pains that we go through our life are self-inflicted. When you knew better. When someone tried to warn you, but we, we just have that old Adamic nature and we, you know, that, that little me wants to get back on the throne and say, Lord, I know what's best. And then when you're hurting, oh God, why did this happen to me? But a rebellious spirit will bring you down every time. We need to recognize God is sovereign. Not only does he have everything under control, but God is omniscient. In other words, he sees everything. He knows everything. And you see, even though you can't see what's going to happen five years down the road, my God, who is omniscient, can see everything. And he sees what the end's going to be like for you. He sees what, how your life can unfold in front of you. He, he knows where you come from. He sees the potential and the possibilities inside of you. So you've got to learn to trust him and allow him to work. But you see, there's another problem that we think about that comes to my mind. That as we are in the potter's hands, the awesome power 
of the potter's hands. That the clay is messy. Can you say messy? Oh, yes, it's messy. Yeah, working with clay is messy. People, they want to do it their way. The old songwriter Frank Sinatra saying years ago, I did it my way. We want to do it our way. Lord, not your way, but I want to do it my way. We've got to learn how to say, Lord, not thy my will, but let thy will be done. That's what Jesus prayed. I don't understand. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how you're working in my life, but I know that you know what's best. And I know that you are doing something in me that is greater than I can do with myself. And it's wonderful how God can see something in you that you cannot see in yourself. It can be messy working with clay because clay is not always cooperative. We're like that prodigal son. He came up to his father one day and said, give me my inheritance now. Most folk get their inheritance when their parents are gone. But he wants it now. He took his little money, loaded up his little Volkswagen, and drove off into a far country and party and had a good time. Back in my day, you know, he would have went out to the music of KC and the Sunshine Band. I'm dating myself now. Do a little dance, make a little love, and what's the other part say? Oh, you know about that. You're older than you look. They sang another song that I think about. They say, that's the way I like it. All right, boy, you guys are on it. You must look at YouTube. And we're like, Lord, that's the way I like it. I want to do it my way. I want to go out and have fun. I want to dance. I want to party. And this young man took all of his inheritance and he went out. You know, it's ironic how many friends you have when you got a pocket full of money. But then what happens to your friends when you are broke? You know a true friend is when you don't have a dime in your pocket, but they're still there with you. A true friend will reach into their pocket and help you when you don't have for yourself. A true friend will not eat in front of you when you are hungry. They will share the little bit that they have. This young man went out and blew all of his money, had nowhere to go, and he ended up having to go work on a pig farm, working with the pigs. And this is ironic. Well, he had lived like a pig, so he might as well go. He, he had wasted his money like a pig. Now he might as well go live with them. But one day he came to his senses. And he thought, oh, I'll go back to my father's house. He doesn't owe me anything. I'll go work as a hired hand. You see, it's messy working with the clay because it's a messy nature of that clay. It's inconsistent. It's unpredictable. When you think that they're going right, something, you know, I would say that to my son. You know, I've got three sons, and i got one son that's just, oh, he's a booger bear. I just tell it that way. And there's always one out of the bunch that just gives you a rough time. Some of you have come from homes, and you know what I'm talking about. There's always that one child that always wants to challenge mama or dad, always that one. 
Father's son said to him one day, he said, listen, he said, if you would just understand that dad will give you anything if you just do what you're supposed to do. And he and he is generous to you. But 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 the way you're doing, he said, you're, you're causing yourself to miss out on some of the blessings that God wants that dad wants to give to you. And I was looking at him. I said, preach, boy. But it was so true. He didn't realize that I would have gave him anything. I just wanted him to, to abide by certain rules in life. I was putting those rules in place not to protect me, but to protect him. But you see, we can't see that because we're just clay. We can't see that God has put certain rules and regulations in our life because he wants to protect us. He's already God. He's already in heaven. He doesn't need to protect himself. He's already got it made. But you and I, we're trying to get there. So the clay is messy. But I want to tell you this morning that there are great possibilities for the product. God wants to turn your life into something beautiful. Say beautiful. Amen. You have entered into this wonderful academic institution as an empty pitcher. But praise God, you'll leave here as a canister overflowing with ideals, skills, and training, dreams, and hopes. And there will be great possibilities in store for you. Some of you will go out and start your own business. Some of you all will go take over businesses. Some of you will enter public service. Some of you will work for the government. Some will go on to become lawyers and doctors and teachers and carpenters and whatever. You see, if you allow yourself to be shaped and molded here, I have to remind young people, I said, remember this, these are your learning years. Your earning years will come. If you are really diligent in your learning years, I guarantee you, you're going to have some great earning years. I've seen kids drop out to take jobs making a little bit over minimum wage. I said, if you could just hang in a little while longer, instead of you dropping out to take a $10 an hour job or $9 an hour job or something of that nature, if you would just hang in a little while longer, you graduate, you can come out with a job, maybe make it $18 or $19 an hour. Or maybe you would have now the skills and the ability to start your own job. You see, education is not just studying good books. It's not just listening to insightful lectures and engaging in philosophical debates. But someone has said the end of education is to know God and the laws of his universe and to reconcile one's life with those laws. I'm telling you this morning, that whatever you do, stay in the potter's hands. God's got possibilities in store for you. Just because the clay is lumpy in places, a good potter has a way to work out the lumps. Anybody who's worked with clay know what I'm talking about. You feel a lump or two in there, you'll add a little water and try to work the lump out. But sometimes when you add water, you can't work the lump out. Sometimes you just actually have to just sort of dig it out and throw it away. And that's what God does with us sometimes as he tries to work some of the knots and kinks out of us. Sometimes that it's so unrelenting that he literally has to take a scalpel and cut it off of us. 
so that he can continue to shape us and to mold us into what he wants us to be. You know, I want you to go on in life and I want you to be successful. I want you to have a a, a wonderful, a full, and a happy life. But the greatest failure in life is for you to fail to envision and to harness the potential that God has put inside of you. Proverbs said, where there is no vision, the people perish. You need to know that God's got something great in store for you. Oh, I told him that just the other day in the message on transformation. If you just let God keep transforming you, if you let God shape you and mold you and make you, I tell you, you just don't know what you'll be doing 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. I tell you, I have not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. Well, that's talking about heaven. That's talking about when we leave here. But I tell you, there's great possibilities in store for you right now. That God's got something in store for you. Sometimes we lose our way. We can't see what he's doing. I remember that old uh, children's story, The Lion King. And you remember Simba when he ran away, when his father was killed and his wicked uncle Scar came to rule. And he ran away to another jungle. And he picked up a couple of friends and they were singing, what was that song? Akuna Matata. Means no worry. Until one day he had to face himself. I can't remember the character's name, the little monkey that led him down to the river. All right, you remember. And when Simba got down to the river, he told him that Mufasa was there and he looked in the river. And instead of being that young, cowardly lion, he looked in there and he saw the face of his father, Mufasa. And he knew that he was no longer Simba. But now he was ready to step into the shoes of his father. And he was ready to go back and confront his wicked uncle. I tell you, he lost his way, but he found his way again. Some of you, you're like Simba, you've lost your way here. You're singing Akuna Matata. It doesn't matter. I want to tell you, it does matter. God's got something great in store for you. God is doing something in your life. Right now, at this moment, some of you came to chapel, you were kicking and screaming, why do I got to go to chapel again? If you've heard one, you've heard them all. Because there's something about coming and sitting under the Word of God that transforms our thinking, that changes our spirit, that gets us in line with God. That's why we come. No, I'm telling you today, I'm so glad 30 years later, when I look back over my life and all of the tests that I took, all of the papers that I wrote, all of the nights I stayed up studying, I want to tell you it's worth it all. It's worth it all because God has opened doors that I never saw opening. He has taken me to places where I never thought I would be. He has allowed me to do things that I never thought I would do. All because I stayed in the potter's hands. Stay there. Stay in his hands. God bless you. And God keep you. Stand with me. Now, this is the last night of our revival together. 
And so my time is up, but we always have time to pray, don't we? I said we always have time to pray, don't we? Some of you right now, you don't need to wait. You just step out and come down. Say, Reverend Tillman, you were speaking to me. I have thought about quitting. I've thought about giving up. I have fought against it. I have went screaming and crying sometimes. But I'm going to stay in the potter's hands. I want to stay in God's perfect will for me. And right now, I'm in his will. I'm in his hands. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes I feel uneasy, but I'm in his hands. Pray that I would stay here. Come now. The altar is open very quick. I want you to come quickly. If you want to come, don't wait. Come right now. Don't wait for your friend. Don't wait for the person next to you. If God has spoken to you, take that step and come down. We're going to pray with you and pray for you that God would bless you. See, it's about being humble. It's about recognizing there's a need. Thank you, Lord. There's a few others that want to come. Don't wait. I felt like giving up. I felt like stopping. I felt like turning back. But oh, I'm in your hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've had many tears and sorrow. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God showed blessed constellation that my trials come to only make me strong. That's the reason I say through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. Let's pray. Father, I thank You today. I thank You, God, that as I've gathered here with this ENC family, that we recognize who's in control. That we understand that you brought us here at this time, at this place, to do a great thing inside of us. Help us to stay encouraged. There are times, God, when it seemed like that we want to quit, turn back, give up, Say it's over. But God, I thank you for the sustaining power of your Holy Spirit. That you're able to keep that that I've committed unto you.
against that very day. I pray for these that have come and gathered at this altar that you would bless them and help them right now to be fully persuaded that nothing will stop them from doing your will and that whatever they do, they are going to stay in the hands of the master. We're in the potter's hands and God, you're shaping us and you're molding us. And oh, it's going to be a wonderful day. Ten years from now, five years from now, when we look back and we think about this was the day that I sold all the way out. That I said I won't give up, I won't turn back. That this was the day, this was the time that God did something wonderful inside of me. I thank you. I thank you. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I know that in the end you've got something great in store for me. And I praise the name of Jesus for what you've done, what you're going to do. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and thank you. Feel free to stay and pray. If you need to go, please go quietly. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll serve the Lord together tomorrow.